Welcome to Things That Keep Us Up at Night, the podcast. I'm your host, Abby Desjardin, entrepreneur, recovering workaholic, sleep evangelist, wife, and mother of three very expressive, courageous, and assertive girls. I'm on a mission to empower women through better sleep. If you want actionable steps to solve the problems that keep you up at night, you're in the right place. From finances to hormones, parenting to politics, relationships, and business, we'll talk about all of it. Let's get started. No, 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 I can't sleep, I can't sleep, no, no. I am so excited to have Gina Catalano on the show today. She is a fractional COO for high-growth CEOs looking to scale and increase the value of their business. Sometimes referred to as the CEO's Swiss Army Knife, she has over 20 years of experience leading and working with businesses and excels at integrating business development and operations. She has authored two Amazon bestsellers, Tandem Leadership, and Changing Lanes. They are short, informative guides to help any CEO or business owner excel in their business. She is a nonprofit board member and is also active in supporting Southern Arizona's startup community. She currently lives near Tucson, Arizona, where she's most recently co-founded a co-working space called La Suprema Works and Events. If having too much on your plate as a CEO and business owner keeps you up at night, this is the episode for you. Hi, Gina. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Abby. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I am so excited for our listeners to hear a little bit more about your story. How did you become a fractional COO? Um, you know, it's funny. That's a great question because I don't think anyone ever starts off, uh, saying that they're going to be a COO. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it's, it's, a. Uh, there's actually this awesome, uh, Harvard business review article that was written a, a while ago, but it's the one that everybody quotes when they talk about COOs and, um, the interesting thing about COOs is that COOs are really born based on who the CEO is. And um, if you have an operational CEO, then you might have a marketing COO. If you have a sales-oriented CEO, then you might have an operations um, COO. And it just talks a lot about the complementary traits of that. So it's basically a utility position. And that's how I got started doing it. Um, I was just really good at jumping in and um, in uncharted waters and fixing things, so to speak. And uh, over the course of the last, oh, 20 years, I ended up being the number two person for a number of startups, uh, ventures, and um, different kinds of companies. And I'm really good at it. And I'm really good at bending to um, what the CEO needs. And then over the last couple of years, what I realized is that the, the startup life, I really enjoy, especially now with everything that's gone on in the last year with so many people starting businesses. And a lot of companies can't really afford, especially if they don't have a co-founder that's in that role, 
they can't really afford a full-time person, but you can make so many mistakes if you don't have the right person in that seat. So um, I've been uh, sort of renting myself out and helping people fill that gap over the last couple of years. Yeah. So you just answered my next question of what is a fractional COO? <laughs> in my definition, a fractional C- C- fractional CFOs have been around for a long time because even fairly decent sized companies don't often need CFO services, um, full time CFO, especially if they have a controller, or they have an accounting manager. And so this Fractional COO, I think, was born out of having so many smaller businesses that with really skilled CEOs who needed that second in command or the operational partner to really um, accelerate their vision and and work at their same level, um, as opposed to having somebody like a virtual in the online world, a lot of times it'd be a virtual assistant or an online business manager. And still sometimes there's some gaps um, and having somebody at the same strategic level as you are. Yeah, I think uh, you bring up a really important point that, you know, especially in the online business, but business in general, when you are an entrepreneur, you tend to have a lot of different skills, right? You are scrappy and you can figure things out and, you know, you are the marketer and the CFO and the person delivering the actual services. And so I think what you do is so important because as entrepreneurs, it's so easy to go down that road of continuing to do everything yourself and you're actually hurting your business in the long run by doing that. Absolutely. I often say that, um, you know, that if you've ever read the book Traction um, by Gina Wickman and then follow the EOS model, they talk a lot about the um, CEO being the visionary and the COO being the integrator. And while I agree with that, I think there's something that's even um, more nuanced about it really good um, founder, a lot of really good founders are really actually pretty good at implementing because they are so scrappy, right? And the longer you can hold on to that scrappiness um, and you get really good at doing everything kind of all together, um, the harder it is to let go later on. And um, a lot of the folks that I work with Actually, probably they often admit that they waited too long to bring somebody on because they were good. They were they weren't some sort of flaky visionary person. They were like a kind of get stuff done kind of person. Sometimes they got overwhelmed, but in general, they were pretty good at it. And I think it's one of those things that the things that you're good at sometimes are what hold you back later on. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that if you're good at it and it doesn't seem that hard. You don't notice the yeah. amount of work piling up on your plate until it's too late. <laughs> yeah, and that's a really great observation. I think then what I found from um, what happens a lot of times is that people are at that point where they're, I'm so done with this. And so it becomes, it's not a matter of just um, handing it off to someone. They're like, I never want to touch this stuff ever again, right? Yeah. So. Um, and that's what I think the danger is in waiting too long because you don't have a lot of patience. Um, 
and you may be more than likely to hire the wrong person right? Um, to come help you because you're so desperate to get rid of the stuff that you no longer want to do. Yeah. So when is the right time to hire a fractional COO? Um, you know, a lot of the, of the folks that I am, before you think you need one, <laughs> um, because especially for smart people, I think, you know, this is just what I found. I think you have to have enough business where you feel comfortable that you're going to um, generate enough revenue to pay someone. But I think it's also when there's more opportunity than you can take care of. And what I found most recently, especially this last year, this last year has really seen a big boom in um, people starting their own businesses for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think um, for most folks, it's, you know, from a revenue number, and again, it depends on the business, somewhere between a half a million to $2 million um, in revenue. And again, it depends on the business. And what other team players, you know, I have a couple, I have a couple of manufacturing companies who had a fairly, they had operations person, they had a accountant um, that was pretty skilled. So they wasn't like a solopreneur who had like a virtual assistant and was just selling things like crazy, right? So it really does depend, but that's a really good mark. And that's from like a dollar standpoint, from a feeling standpoint or a process standpoint, it's when you start having more opportunities than you can take care of. Yeah. When um, you're starting to feel very exhausted by your business, but it's not because you need to get sales. It's because um, you don't have time to do things. And usually you start having your systems fail around you or your people make you crazy. And, and by people, I mean contractors or, you know, W2 yeah. employees. Yeah. I don't really distinguish much between those when you're running up, uh, when you're in a startup mode. Yeah. So how would, you know, with the idea that everyone, not everyone, most business owners should eventually have some sort of operations manager or COO or the integrator, um, with that idea in mind, how should someone start running their business now to make that transition easier when they hit that mark? That is such an awesome question. <laughs> it's, like you read, it's like you read my little playbook. Um, how do they do that? So what I often do when I start working with people and I tell people to do this all the time is I have them track what they're doing. Um, you know, I came out of um, manufacturing a lot of lean manufacturing skills, you know, continuous improvement training, and it's really hard to, to make changes without data. And so tracking what you do today and then starting, then, then having that uh, discussion about how valuable what you're doing is to the business. So a lot of us will have these great mission statements um, and we'll have all these great plans. And then I'll say, so how, how have what you've done today, you know, relate to your mission and vision for the business? And then they'll look at me like, well, nothing. I didn't, I got stuck doing this, or I ended up having to um, run this over somewhere, you know, things that somebody else could easily do. So that's the first starting point. Um, 
Secondarily, if they don't believe me then, um, I often ask them to start putting dollar values on. And I don't mean like dollar per hour. I mean, I use a dollar per hour calculation, but say that you want to get to a $5 million business and you want to work, I'm just going to, you want to work a thousand hours a year, right? So you're, you're quote unquote, you have to generate $500 of value for every hour that you work or more. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean charging for it. It means, it means creating programs, creating systems, uh, creating opportunities for your business. And when you start looking at it that way, you start realizing that, um, you know, cleaning the kitchen or doing <laughs> your laundry, we're still working from home, you know, while it might temporarily feel awesome, it's not really contributing. It's that misalignment, right, between what you say you want to do and what you're actually doing. I think that's such a good point. Um, what I see a lot of the time is exactly what you said, where especially female entrepreneurs, we get so into needing to take care of it all. So it's, you know, I spend an hour a day cleaning the house and I spend two hours a day cooking meals and then I run the kids to all of their activities. And before you know it, half your day is gone when you could have paid somebody to do those things at a fraction of the cost of what you could have generated if you'd been working on the big things, the things that only you can do. Exactly. Um, And I think uh, that happens, that translates to our personal lives, but it's also in our our own business. Part of it is because sometimes there's certain things that we just still like to do. Like when I, when I worked at a manufacturing company, there were some things that I would just go do to kind of clear my head but reality was there was probably a $12 an hour person that could have done the task. Better. Right. Um, you know, so I always would try to catch myself between doing some of those things. And then there are things that um, I think that we don't hand off because um, they're the things that we consider part of our secret sauce. Um, and so we wait a lot longer to do that. Um, and again, it's hard to put the value on those things. Yeah. Do you think that people should start, you know, documenting their their SOPs, their standard operating procedures as they're doing them throughout the day? Kind of you were talking about documenting all the things you do in a day. Would that be a recommendation or do you recommend allowing whoever you bring on to create their own SOP? You know, that's a really great question. I think it depends. I think if you find yourself having to um, tell someone, so say you have a virtual assistant or uh, somebody to do, if you find yourself continually doing the same thing over and over again, I think automating certain things as quickly as possible is really important. And as well as keeping track, even if it's just like a checklist mentality, it doesn't have to be in high detail. The one, the one caveat to that is that to your point about when you bring somebody on, um, I found that sometimes when the person comes on board, like when I've come on board, I might have a completely different way to deal, to do that task that may incorporate it to be, having three or four, having a team of three or four, as opposed to a team of one, right? Yeah, you would, you might do it differently if you break up those tasks. 
And so I think one of the things I always tell folks, especially CEOs, is like, be really clear, get a lot of clarity on the what and not so much on the how, um, unless the how is really going to make you crazy. And the <laughs> only reason I say that is that a really skilled number two, second in command person, they thrive on figuring out the how. Yeah. And so if you take away the thing that they thrive in, that's in their zone of genius, you end up being um, a babysitter or perceived to be a micromanager. Now, that being said, there's always exceptions, but that's what I really try to get people to work on. And that's what I train people in the fractional sense. When I'm there part time, I'll say, well, this works for now. But, you know, when you have somebody full time in this position, you may want to do X, Y or Z, for example, because this will that might be problem for them. They may not appreciate you telling them how to do certain things because it's not really relevant how it gets done if you really want to focus on results. That's really true. So I think a lot of times there's a lack of awareness of a need to move in the direction of expanding your team. You know, you do feel overworked, but like we talked about before, you feel like you still need to do all of the things. Um, you're making, you know, enough to justify the hire, but you are too, you know, you can't see the forest through the trees. And so when people arrive to you, <laughs> at what what are some things that common threads that you see in the people arriving um, for your help, because maybe that will help some of our listeners identify that need in themselves and their business. Typically, there's two peop- two types of people that have shown up so far. I haven't been doing the fractional part of the business for that long, but this is what I see. There are folks that have so much opportunity and someone has usually a business coach has told them you need to get somebody with you to work on this. And they're collaborative by nature. They like having somebody to work on things with, um, even though they're very independent. Um, The other folks that have come and there's not either way you're going to be successful, but the other folks have come is because they've, they've had, I would say a big learning moment either they've run through a lot of people and it could be contractors and, or they've had some fail, a failed launch. And it's not because um, the product wasn't good or the marketing wasn't good. It's because, you know, their team couldn't handle it in a way that they had to jump back in and take care of things. And it just kind of got to the end of their rope. Right. Yeah. And so, um, and, or they've had to make some investments in some technology and they thought that the technology would solve the problem, but they still, and then after, and I see this a lot when people have to start investing in some software um, for some specialty businesses is they buy the software and somebody says, yes, it will do all these things, or they hear it from another colleague or something. And they don't realize how much work it's going to take to make the software work in their business. Yeah. And they don't have the time and their people don't have the time. Um, and that's where I think I've seen it. Um, but it's like, it's, it's making these decisions and then all of a sudden just realizing this is just not going to work. Um, unfortunately, I hate to say it. Um, a lot of times it's because people are at the end of their rope. Um, uh, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty comfortable of showing up when people are at the end of their rope. 
<laughs> I I have been there. So I you know, I'm having flashbacks as you're talking. So <laughs> I I can identify with that 100%. Um so think in honor of your time, we will wrap up here. Are there any last parting words that you have for the listeners? No, I think it's just, you know, I think the thing, you know, the thing that I always tell people is be really clear with your vision and have a lot of clarity around that and be really stepping into where you want to be two to three to five years ahead and and try to live that person as much as you can. Because the more that you do that, the more space you create for other people to be added onto your team. And that gives them the opportunity to thrive and, um, and shine in their best light with the talents and skills that they have. Definitely. Yes. And last thing, can you tell everyone where to find you? Um, the easiest way to get me is that uh, my business partner, I have a website. It's called buildgrowexit.com. And um, if you go there, you can reach out to me there. So it's buildgrowexit.com. Wonderful. I will put the link to that in the show notes along with uh, your other links to social media and things like that. Thank you so much, Gina, for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom with us today. It was so great to have you. Abby, it was an absolute pleasure. I'm super excited about your podcast. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Things That Keep Us Up at Night. If you liked this episode, please visit us at thingsthatkeepusupatnight.com or subscribe and leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcast.